Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. You know, I'm thankful that we have a reason for our hope. The fact is, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, We've been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we're going to be walking through 1 Peter 4. Uh, in this new series, as we are looking toward Easter and just this thought that uh, He is the reason for our hope. Uh, you know, we're just blessed to be able to gather this morning. So grateful uh, to see each of you and just to be able to worship uh, together, uh, to lift high uh, the name of Jesus. I see a new baby in the house back there. Wow. Yeah, that is awesome. Congratulations uh, to you guys. So grateful uh, just for uh, the continued blessing um, that uh, God is, just the work that God is doing uh, in our midst and just the continued number of uh, just families that he is entrusting uh, to the care of us as a congregation to love and come alongside and to walk with as we pursue Christ. And this morning, that really is our our heart that we would... uh, talk about what it looks like to live with the hope of Christ, in pursuit of Christ, and in abandonment to the things of this world. And that is where we're landing in First Peter. We are looking forward to Easter. A couple of just announcements about that. We'll be adding a sunrise service at 7.30. It'll be outside in our upper parking lot on Easter Sunday. And so then we'll have our 8.45 service upstairs following that and also uh, our 11 a.m. crossover service, so be uh, mindful of that. Uh, I don't know if there's any, you know, when I think about uh, new babies and couples and families, uh, I don't know if any of you guys need a date night, right? But we're going to, on uh, April the, uh, I believe it is April the 9th, it's a Friday night, we're going to do a couples uh, night, and it's going to be uh, kind of in-house and on the road a little bit. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a, a scavenger hunt, some things together with couples, we'll be offering some uh, child care that night, and so we want you to get that on your radar. It's going to be a fun night, and we're going to just engage um, and just encouraging uh, married couples, if you're engaged, uh, to be married and look in that direction. We would love uh, for you to join us as well. We think it'll be a, just an encouraging night uh, and just a needed night of laughter and fun and um, just leaning in uh, to uh, just the gift of marriage and God's uh, plan in the midst of that. So looking forward to that. We're in First Peter, and as we think about that, just to give you a little bit of context, where we see in the very early part of this book that, that, that Peter really gives them some good news and bad news, kind of all at the same time. He says, hey, you, you are uh, these elect exiles. He said, you are not home yet. You're living in a hostile world. You're temporarily residing in a place that is not your home. You don't belong here, but you do belong to him. And it And it's that kind of thought that I want us to walk into today, recognizing that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not home yet. We are exiles in this world. We're in an already not yet, right? We are part of a spiritual kingdom that will be physical, and we are in the midst of this battle, right? As we sung that song, I was just stirred by the words that in the midst of this battle, and I want us to understand that in the midst of this world that we are in a battle, a battle uh, that, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but at the same time, there's a battle in our own flesh. I don't know about you, but the person I have the most trouble with is me, right? And so we're going to look at just this, this battle that we are in. And he's writing to these believers, and uh, they're spread out. They're uh, these, these provinces of uh, the Roman Empire. They're part of the Roman Empire. They would be in what today would be modern-day Turkey. And, and he's writing to these uh, to, to the church there uh, in Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia and Pontus. And he's writing to this large group of folks and they're facing uh, hurting and they're suffering and they're going through different things and they are going to be going through crazy difficult things in the years to come. They're being rejected and they're being ridiculed simply because they follow Jesus. They're being rejected and ridiculed because they live for him. And it's going to get worse. And that's the setting that this letter comes in. And he says, you don't belong here, but you do belong to him. 
Last week we finished chapter 3 and we had this overarching thought. And chapter 4 begins with the word therefore. And so we want to look back just a second and see what it's there for. And we had this overarching statement that finished uh, chapter 3. And we said this, that the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ gives suffering saints certain hope that victory is secured and Christ is supreme. And so there's this victorious moment that ends chapter 3. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, we begin in this way. And we're going to read verses 1 uh, through 6. We're going to pray, and then we're going to jump in and just see um, what the Lord has for us today. So Scripture says this, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excess of dissipation. And they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached, even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, that they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we are grateful for your word, Lord, and we recognize that in your word, God, we, God, we come under the authority of your word, God, as your people, Father, and we ask you to speak to us, God. We pray uh, God, that you would reveal to us, Lord, in every area of our lives, God, those places that, uh, God, that you want us to leave behind, God, those, uh, those places, Lord, those things that maybe we have carried, uh, God, for way too long, Father, that we might lay those down, God, in pursuit of you, Lord, in pursuit of Christ. And God, we pray, Lord, for any here this morning that uh, God has never trusted you for salvation, Father, we pray, God, that they would turn from their sin and turn to you, Lord, that they would uh, see the, the, the majesty and the beauty of the cross, Lord, and God, that they might surrender their very lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray, God, for your blessing uh, on our time together today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we land here in this passage and, and there's been this theme of suffering and then we begin this passage today with this thought of Christ suffering in the flesh and I want to make kind of an overarching statement um, that, that I believe sums up so much of this passage of scripture so much of, of just this section of scripture and, and it, it says like this that suffering saints stationed in a world of suffering surrender to the Savior and find strength to leave the past behind. Now that word stationed is a word that we think of in a military term. You're going to see another military term in the first verse. And it's this reminder that we are in a battle. It's this mindset of wartime that I want you to bring into this passage. And and Peter writes, and he says in verse 1, he says, Therefore, in light of the victory of Christ, right? In light of the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, in light of the finished work that he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, in light of that, he says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And so when we think about suffering in this world, it is through the lens of the cross that we look. It is through the lens of the cross that we are to look at suffering. Can you imagine Peter and the rest of the disciples as Jesus is crucified? Can you imagine the darkest moment in their lives as, as Jesus dies on the cross? But can you imagine how the darkness of that day as they were face to face with the resurrected Savior? Can you imagine how that darkness turned to hope, how the worst day became the best day. And as we look back on the cross, we see that the worst day became the best day because it is through that day that God has saved me. Now, we struggle with suffering 
we struggle with an understanding of suffering. We struggle with the reality of suffering. We struggle with the answers to the reasons for suffering that we experience in this life. I've been reading a book by Elizabeth Elliot, and she makes a quote in this book, and she says in response to this question, and it's a question that maybe many of us have asked at different times, why doesn't he do something, right? Why doesn't God do something? And her response in this book is, he has, he did, he is, and he will. And we live in the midst of this world, and we look expectantly at the hope of heaven. We look expectantly at a world to come. And Peter says we're to arm ourselves, that we're to get ready for this battle and this war. And he says we're to arm ourselves with the same purpose. He says just as Christ has suffered in the flesh, that we're to arm ourselves with this same purpose. And it's with this picture of this word for purpose could be translated with this same thought or with this same mind, this same intention. And, and it's the, in this mind of Christ that we are to walk into this battle. And we face this difficult reality that we face suffering in this life. And if we are going to get through that in a way that brings God glory, we must be armed for the battle. We must see life through an eternal lens. We must see life through the perspective of the cross uh, I want to read you a quote that Sarah Kate uh, Baldwin had, had shared uh, on social media. And I, I saw this and it, it just stirred my heart as I was thinking about the hope that we have in Christ. And, you know, we go through persecutions and problems. We go through temptations and trials. We go through sickness and suffering. And it is in those moments that the Lord uses believers in an incredible way as a megaphone to a lost world of the goodness and the grace of God. It is incredible in the way that he works. And Sarah Kate said this, about 10 years ago, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, angry and confused. I did not trust the Lord to work his will. But over time, through his forgiveness and great mercy, he reminded me that he is our living hope. And I, this life is nothing in comparison with what is to come. I'm thankful that he healed her and she is cancer free today. I love you, mom. Thank you for remaining steadfast in Jesus amidst such a struggle. Right, Our hope is declared in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of difficulty. And this passage speaks directly to those that are suffering because they are following Christ and they're facing persecution and they're facing those things. But we see how in this life, even in the hard times, God speaks loudly. Right, The most impactful thing in my entire life was when my wife's mother faced cancer in the way that she walked through that with tremendous faith and hope. And God just worked in my life in incredible ways. I've seen that in the life of believers. And there's this perspective that says, you know what, I trust you, Lord. You know, there's this thought that says, you know what, we, we know the desires of our heart, but we trust in a loving God in his response. And we look at suffering through the lens of eternity. And when we arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, we prepare for battle. We look at life differently. And in this passage, it says that the, the person, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, the mind, the same mind, the mind of Christ. He says, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The willingness as followers of Jesus Christ, to say, you know what? Even if I face persecution in this world, even if I'm not accepted, even if I don't fit, and by the way, if you're going to stand for Jesus and you're going to come under the authority of his word and you're going to trust his word and you're going to live in his word, you will face times where you do not fit in this world. Every parent of young children, every parent of teenagers, we need to understand and have those conversations with our children. There are going to be things in this life where we do not fit in this world and we will look different and it will be difficult. And, and when we are willing, when we have this mindset, this willingness to suffer for Christ, it is evidence that we have turned from a life of sin. It is evidence that we have said, you know what, we are leaving this world behind. We are leaving this sinful life behind. And, and it's this picture not of perfection. Anybody sinless in here? Like if you've sinless, raise your hand, anybody? Just a couple. Yeah, we love you guys. Um, but the reality is that 
we're not sinless. It's not about perfection in this flesh that we live in. But it is clearly about the direction that we are going. And there is a change in our life when we follow Christ. That we are turning from our sin and we are walking and following Him. Look at verse 2. He says, As so, or so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So, so here's this picture. He says, He who... Uh, has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. We see this, this direction change. And he says, and so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. The rest of the time, no longer for our human passions, no longer for the desires of the flesh, but for the will of God. And, and there's not this perspective of we turn from sin and we come to Christ and then we just live however we choose. There's this picture. There, there's just no look at that in the life of a Jesus. Jesus follower. And he says, we're turning and we're following Jesus, no longer living for our human passions, but for the will of God. And there should be two characteristics in the life of every follower of Christ that should cause us to stand out from this world. We should see two things. We should see hope and we should see holiness. Both of those things should be demonstrated and should be reflected in our lives in such a way that we look different from this world, that we stand out, right? That it makes us look And be seen, makes us stand out from this culture. In chapter 1, Peter says this, and as he writes, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy in all your behavior. He says, no longer for the lusts of flesh, but for the will of of God. And so many of us, if I were to ask you, how many of you want to walk in the will of God in your life? How many of you have said, hey, you know what? I want to do God's will in my life. Maybe you would confess, hey, you know what? I desire to follow his will. I desire to live in that way. And I want to tell you, as we read this passage, we can see that the will of God is found in fully surrendering our passions to pursue Christ. That's it. If you want to know what it looks like to walk in the will of God as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is this picture of surrendering our passions in pursuit of Jesus Christ. And when we pursue Him, we are pursuing holiness. We are pursuing Him. And it is this change of passions. It is this picture that our passions once were for the things of this world and for our flesh, but it is this picture that we have turned and and our passions are now in pursuit of Him. Uh, I've been at a men's conference this weekend, and uh, some of the guys are still there. They're coming back this morning and came back last night, but uh, just so to be with you guys. But in, in the midst of this time, there was this picture of this wartime mentality, and, and there was this thought as we were looking at the life of David, and, and as we were just talking about his life, a statement was made by the speaker there. Brody shared this, and he said, we never drift toward holiness. That as we think about following Christ, we are turning from one passion in pursuit of Christ. And if we are idle, if we are, you can do nothing and you will drift with the culture of this world. You will drift. We don't drift toward holiness. We've all probably been uh, at the beach and been out in the ocean and been uh, just out kind of playing and doing our own thing and then all of a sudden looked up and been like, where in the world am I at? Like I'm so far from where I started. And, and it's that kind of picture. And so when we think about this battle that we have and this battle that we have with sin, we cannot be casual in that battle or we will be a casualty of war. It is just the reality that if we are not serious about the battle, if we are casual in that battle, we will be a casualty. Colossians 3, we see Paul writing to the church at Colossae, and he gives this picture that connects here. And he says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking those things that are above. Where Christ is seated, again, at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your mind on things above and not on the earth below for you. Uh, have died, right? That's what the scripture says. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He said your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I want you to see something that's beautiful. When we think about the hope of the return of Christ, and we think about just the victorious Christ that we worship, he says, he says that, that we uh, are going to be revealed with him 
in glory, right? He says, he says this, this picture in Colossians 3, he says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when he is revealed, you too will be revealed with him in glory. Man, that's incredible. And then he says, therefore, consider the earthly members. He said, consider your uh, members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So here's this picture. This is Paul writing to the church at Colossae. Now we see Peter writing uh, to these provinces, to, to these, uh, these, uh, these churches and these, these believers. And he says, for the time is past. The time past. Look at verse 3. He said, for the time already past is sufficient. For you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Peter says, hey, listen, that's no longer who you are. And the time that you walked in that in the past before Christ, it, it is more than enough time that you have spent in that mess. The past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of unbelievers, for the desires of the pagans, for the desires of the Gentiles. He says, the time in your past is wasted and don't waste any more. You know, I had the blessing over the last month or so uh, to meet uh, with uh, some different uh, children in our church as their parents had been engaging with them and as they had uh, just been having questions about the gospel and got to meet with, uh, with Mason Bagan, got to meet with Natalie Team, and got to meet with uh, these, these uh, young children. And uh, I think Natalie was, was age eight. And as we began to talk and just see just uh, her love for the Lord and her understanding of the gospel, and, you know, I was thinking... And what a blessing it would be. Because when you see Peter writing in this passage, he said from this time on, he says from the time of your salvation, from you turning from your sin and surrendering your life to Christ, live no longer for the flesh, but to live for Jesus in pursuit of Jesus. And I look back at my life, and, and honestly, there's so much of my life that was wasted pursuing the very things that Peter wrote about in this chapter. And the reality is that this world in, in our culture has somehow embraced this mentality that, that life is a big frat party that we're just going to live in and, and it's a party and you're going to do this and there's no right and there's no wrong. But as we come under the authority of the Word of God, he says the time past is sufficient for every one of you. For all of you as followers of Jesus Christ, there's no more room for that lifestyle. And, and the bad thing about this world living uh, in, in this mindset of some kind of party uh, down dynamic, the, the drawback and the mental thing that we see is so many times there's people that profess Jesus that are walking in some of those things. And he says, there's no more room for that. He says, hey, there's not room for any one of you to be living in sexual immorality. There's not room for any uh, one of you to be engaged in pornography. There's not room for any follower of Jesus Christ to be uh, walking in deceptive business deals. There's not room for any of that. You're representing Jesus Christ and you've been changed. You've been purchased with a price and you glorify God in your body. There's not room for one drunkard, for one person to continue those ways who call themselves a Christian. And we need to leave that behind. There's this picture when we come to Christ that we turn from our sin and we turn to Christ. There's this repentance that takes place. And, and I want you to understand something. It's not simply just this one type of event, but this lifestyle where we are turning from our sin and turning to Jesus as we pursue Him, as we pursue holiness, as we walk in there. And some of you would say, well, you know what? I'm not involved in any of those things. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm not going down those roads. And many times if we're not there in person, we are watching it on our television and looking at it on the internet and we are missing the boat as followers of Jesus Christ in the pursuit of Christ, which is the pursuit of holiness. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard says this, and he tells this parable of this picture, and it's these really disastrous effects of, of people when they don't put to death the desires of the flesh and get caught up in the culture of this world. And he says this, he says, One springtime a duck was flying with his friends northward across Europe. And during the flight he came down in a barnyard where there were tame ducks. He enjoyed some of their corn, he stayed for some of their food. Uh, you know, it just seemed like a, an easy deal. Stayed for an hour and then for a day and then for a week and then for a month. And before he knew it, he had stayed all summer long, right? He loved the food. He loved some of the pleasures that were there, the ease of life, the comfort that was in there. And one autumn day, the same wild ducks were winging their way southward. They passed overhead. And the duck on the ground heard their cries. And he was filled with this strange joy, right? He was filled with this excitement that was there. And he desired to fly again. And with great flappings of his wings, he began to rise up. 
He thought, man, I'm going to join my old comrades in flight. But he found that his good fare had made him so soft and heavy that he could rise no higher than the eaves of the barn. He dropped back again into the barnyard and said to himself, Oh well, my life is safe here and the food is good. Every spring and autumn when he heard the wild ducks honking, his eyes would glean for a moment and he would begin to flap his wings. But finally the day came when the wild ducks flew overhead and uttering their cries, but he paid no attention. In fact, he failed to hear them at all. And we find ourselves in the midst of a culture where it's very easy to get comfortable. It's very easy for us to be around and involved in so much of the world that we begin to look like them, that we begin month by month and day by day uh, as we don't lean into the Word of God, as we uh, walk in, in fellowship with others that are, um, th- that are living in sin. In all these places, it's easy for us to find ourselves there. And, and Peter says, listen, we are in a different place. He said, the time already passed is sufficient for you. It's this thought that, that I've already had my fill of all those things. And I don't know if you've ever been to the buffet and like when you got done at the buffet and, and you've ate so much, at the end of that, you're like, I couldn't eat one more bite. I don't, I, I don't have room for anything else. Like it's that feeling that says, you know what, if there was a Reese cup right there, I wouldn't even eat it. That's how full I am, right? That. And the picture of this is that we have turned from the pursuit of the things of this world and we are pursuing Christ and we're so filled with his spirit and with his love and with the things of Christ that we have no room for anything else in this world. And then he says in verse 4, he says, in all this, he said, the world is going to look at you and the world is going to see things completely different. In all this, they're surprised that you do not run with them in the same excess of dissipation and they malign you. He said, it's going to stand out that you're not walking in that mess anymore. And the people that see that, your, your friends, the, the people that you may have used to run with, they're going to be surprised at that. And they're going to wonder, man, why are you not doing these things that we used to do? You know, I, I walked in that way for a long time. And I can remember when I came to faith in Christ and all of a sudden my life changed. And, and the things that I had in common, I thought the only way that I could find fulfillment in this world was, was through parties and through a model or through so many other things. And I think about these young kids that have, are, are turning and following Jesus. Man, what it would look like to not waste all those years and, and to look back. And I want you to know that I look back at my past and I've had enough of that. I never knew that there could be joy and there could be beauty in walking with Jesus. But when I understood and got a glimpse of the glory of God and of His grace that had been extended to my life and I looked at this world through the lens of a cross and through the goodness of God, there is no room for those things as we pursue Christ. And I want you to know, my, my wife can remember the friends that I had, the things that were there, everything changed. But I want you to know there's something beautiful because the world's looking and they're saying this probably won't last very long because I know them. I know who they are. I remember them. I'll never forget. I had, uh, when I was at Western and, and kind of walking in that lifestyle, um, I was a jerk one night and had, had tried to um, really tried to get in a fight with, with a guy that was just had kind of a little long-term kind of dynamic and the guy just kind of pushed away from it and I was drinking and ashamed of, of, of just the whole dynamic there but later I came to Christ and we had gotten involved with a, um, a puppet and drama team and we'd go and we'd share at different churches and we got invited to this church and I hadn't seen him in a lot of years but we got to this church and as we walked in standing at the door was this guy and I can remember his eyes looking in mine and and I had the blessing that day of testifying of the goodness of God in my life and how if anyone is in Christ right that he's a new creature that old things are passed away and all things have become new and it's and I watched this big lineman played for Western man. The tears run down his face as I shared of what God had done in my life. And I want you to know there's going to be people in this world that reject you. There's going to be people that revile you for following Jesus. But there are going to be those that will see your life. And they will see something different because Jesus has done something on the inside. And they will see the goodness of God. And, and he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and, his, and in that day, I want you to know he was encouraged because he saw the power of the gospel working in somebody that he never would have thought 
could have happened. And when we live for Jesus and we turn from the things of this world, there's something beautiful. And it was the intention of Christ that followers of Christ and that the church of Christ would leave behind the things of this world. And it would love Him in such a way that when the world looked at the beauty of followers of Jesus Christ, that they would see something beautiful. And it's seen in hope and holiness as people walk through suffering, as they walk through hard times, as they face the most difficult things of of this life and they face them with hope and as they walk in the midst of a culture that they are not conformed to this world right Paul wrote in Romans 12 he said don't be conformed to the pattern of this world J.B. Phillips in his translation said don't allow the world to press you in to this mold and we are in a battle and there is a desire for destruction right and in the battle and not only in the things of this world and with Satan and all those things but in a battle with our flesh and the world desires to press us into its mold it desires right we were we were looking this week at the life of David and we saw so many things about his life. And there was a season in David's life where he was pursuing God, where he is walking with God, where every step he's saying, God, what's next, Lord? What, what do you want from me, God? How do you want me to do this, Lord? I, I want to build you a house. I want to do all these things. We see those kind of things. And then there's this season in David's life. There's this moment in David's life. And the Scripture says that it was in this moment where the kings were supposed to be in battle. He said, is there's this moment where the kings are to go out to battle. And, and Scripture finds David in a place that he is behind. And he had lost that fight and lost the recognition. He had lived in a place of comfort in those moments. And we see him fall into terrible sin. We see this man that was after a man who, Scripture says, was after God's own heart. We see him commit adultery. We see him commit murder. I want you to know that you will never drift toward holiness it is in pursuit of Christ and a recognition that we are in a battle and we are to have a wartime mentality or we will be destroyed in the midst of this world by sin we will either battle if we have a casual attitude toward it we will become a casualty of war just the laxness in the the way of that we will drift the other direction he says listen he says these the world is going to be surprised the world's going to be surprised that you're not pursuing these old ways. The lust of the flesh, the way of sin. The world is going to be surprised. Because let me tell you something. This moment between uh, pleasure and punishment, right? Or sin and punishment. There's pleasure. There's fun. There, there's things that are there, right? Sin is fun for a season, right? There is this reality that that's there. That's why it is such a struggle. And the world's going to look just like they looked at me and said, you know what, I can't believe he's not walking down that way anymore. But in the consistent life of followers of Jesus Christ that find, man, I never knew that there could be joy in just simply following Jesus, right? I never knew that you could experience, man, that kind of joy in living for the glory of God. And he says they're, they're going to be surprised when you don't participate. They're going to defame. They're going to revile. They're going to revile the God that you worship. But then he says this, he says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They're going to see you face struggles. They're going to see believers walk through suffering. They're going to see all those kind of things. And they're going to look one way. But I want you to know that one day we all will stand before a righteous judge. And he says this in verse 6, for the gospel has for this purpose been preached. Even to those who are dead, though that they are judged in the flesh as men, that they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. So we're in the context of suffering. We're in the context of, of these believers. And, and, the, and the unbelieving world has dismissed their faith because in the tangible things that they see, they're facing death. They're facing suffering. They're facing hard times. The sun rises on the just and the unjust in the midst of this broken world. Uh, we will have trouble, right? We will walk through those difficult times. And in the midst of that, the world is looking and they're saying, hey, look, he's turned away from all that and here he is walking through the difficulties. These people uh, were, were, were dying the same way as unbelievers. And, and Peter explains that this gospel, it was proclaimed to believers while they were still alive so that they uh, would live in the Spirit, in God's presence, even though they had experienced the temporal punishment, uh, the temporal judgment, right, of physical death that we experience in this life. And ain't none of us getting out of here alive, right? Scripture says that it appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment, right? We face those things. 
But the gospel promises that through the victory that was attained on the cross of Christ, that, that this life is not the end. That they will ultimately be raised from the dead. That there is victory beyond these moments. And we live in this life with hope and holiness demonstrated to a world that is so desperate to see the goodness of God right in our lives and the gospel reflected in the way that we live. And I'm afraid that some of us may have lost the wartime mentality because it's easy in the midst of our comforts. It's easy in the midst of uh, just a world where we are blessed in so many ways that we lose that mentality. And Peter reminds them, he says, arm yourself with the mind of Christ. Look at this world through the lens of the cross and live for him. Turn away from the things of this world. Deny the, the desires of our flesh and live with hope. Right? We're suffering saints stationed in a world that is filled with trouble. But we surrender to the Savior and we find strength to walk away from our past, to leave the past behind. And I want you to think just a little bit. A few weeks back, Pastor Ron shared his story and he talked about this picture of us before Christ and then this moment when we, through repentance and faith, are saved and then this picture of life after Jesus. And I want you to think about those things, right? Life before Christ, then life after you were saved, after you had surrendered your life to Christ. And I can list out things that I'm ashamed of, right? Things that I wish I could never have to list out. I can list all those things. And then post-Christ, I can list some things that are different. Like we used to laugh. Um, I might have been the world's greatest cusser like before Christ, okay? And then like after that, it, it was something that almost immediately just was gone. There's things that are like that, but then there's also things that we could list in our before Christ, and then there are things that we look at our life now, and we say, you know what, some of those things are still there. Some of those things are still there. And I want you to think about what are the things that are in your life now, as you profess to follow Jesus, what are those things that are in your life now that God has called us to crucify, to put away, to be done with. He says the time in your past is sufficient. You've spent enough time in that mess. And from this day on, and he was speaking to our salvation from this time forward, no longer live for those things. And he speaks to us even in this moment. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no longer live in those things. If there have been things that you have carried and allowed to be part of your life, there's a time that you leave those things behind. And that time is now. And he says for the rest of your days, for the rest of your Life. What are some things that don't belong? And my encouragement and my hope is that we would lay those down. And that we might, listen, we'll never in our own strength be able to war against sin. It is only in Christ. It is only in His strength. It is only to the Spirit of God that lives in us. Right? The Scripture says that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And it is something that we don't drift toward but that we lay aside and instead of pursuing the things of this world, we pursue Jesus who is worthy of everything. And we come and we say, God, not my will, not the desires of my flesh, not the way that I want to live, but all for you. You know, I love the statement that repentance means turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. And really, that's what happens when we surrender our life to Christ. We turn from as much as we know of our sin to as much as we know of our God, right? And then as those things grow, as we learn the beauty of Jesus, and as God reveals to us places in our life, and I want to tell you something, there's a prayer God will always answer, and I want to, I want to read it um, this morning. And it's in Psalm 139, and it'll be the last verses that I read. But you know that? That psalm begins and he says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know where I sit. You know when I sit and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways, even before there's a word on our tongue, right? God knows us. 
He knows the very depth of our sin. He knows the very thoughts, the very intentions of our heart. There's nothing that we hide from him. But many times I've recognized in my life that I, sometimes I hide them from myself, right? Sometimes I'm, you know, the, the, the prayer that David prays at the very end of this passage in verse 23, he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I mean, that prayer God answers. God, search me and know my heart. God, reveal to me. You know, when I pray that prayer, God's, God's always faithful to reveal some stuff pretty quick that I need to get rid of. He reminds me that I'm not as far along as I think I am sometimes. Um, but he reminds me how much I'm loved. He reminds me that through the lens of the cross that my debt has been paid. To tell us, right, as Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. The debt has been Paid. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who have been saved by his marvelous grace continue to walk in that? And so we're going to worship the Lord together. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want, to, I want to ask you to be bold enough to just pray that prayer. To a God who loves you far more than you could ever imagine. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. God, reveal to us in this place, God. God, the places in our life, Lord, that we need to lay down. Lord, the places that you, God, would call us to leave behind in pursuit of you. And God, would you lead us in the everlasting way. Lord, would you, God, would you equip us in the power of your spirit, God, to live for the glory of your name. Lord, that we might pursue you above all the things in this world, Lord, and that the, God, that as we do that, Lord, the things of this world, Lord, they would grow strangely dim, Lord, in light of your marvelous grace, Lord, in light of your majesty and glory, God, and that because of that, Lord, we would be captivated by your love, Lord, and that we would live, Lord, as citizens of a kingdom, God, that's already and not yet. Lord, we are not home yet. God, for the saints that are hurting in this room, Lord, for those that have faced difficulty and trial and sickness and suffering and persecution, Lord, we, God, we pray, Lord, that even in these moments, Lord, in the power of your Spirit, God, that we would be reminded, Lord, that we are not forsaken, that we are not abandoned, Lord, that we are simply not home. And Lord, may we fix our eyes on the glories of heaven, Father. God, may we see it through the lens of a cross, Lord, which is our only access. God, there's nothing that we could do. God, we couldn't work, we couldn't earn. But Lord, in your great love that was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary, God, you demonstrated your love to us that even though we were sinners, that Christ died for us. And he made a way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He said, it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's a place that's beyond anything that we could ever imagine. He said, there's many dwelling places. And then Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And he went to the cross of Calvary. And God, we thank you for that cross, or the wonderful cross. Lord, the cross that bids us to come and die so that we might truly live. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I beg of you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice that we might lay down our very lives and then be allowed to live them in the power of your spirit. Lord, that as we walk in the spirit, we would not fulfill the desires of this flesh, Lord, that we would be crucified to the things of this world, Lord, and that we would be alive. God, to the joy of being found in you, Lord. God, help us. Help us to pursue you with everything we have. 
Lord, I pray, God, that if there's things that we need to lay down this morning, God, that you would stir in our heart, God, that we'd be obedient, Lord, that as this altar, God, is always open, Lord, I pray, God, that there might be some that would even symbolically come, and Lord, just between you and them, Lord, that they might say, Lord, I'm not carrying this anymore. I should have left it behind a long time ago. God, I need your help. And in that act of obedience, Lord, that we might declare our dependence on you. God, I pray if there's any here that have never surrendered their life to you, God, that have never responded to your gracious gift of salvation. God, that this morning, Lord, they would turn from their sin and in repentance and faith, believing and trusting in you, Lord, the finished work of the cross, Lord, that provided for their salvation, Lord, that they would that they would trust you, Lord, that they would be saved. God, we love you. Lead us in the way everlasting, Lord. Reveal to us what we need to lay down, Lord, and help us. Give us courage, Lord. Give us strength. Empower us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand?